Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne. A lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name is Chris Lambert. My name is Travis Bain. And I got to admit, Chris, you threw me off there at the beginning. You said, welcome to Watching the Throne. I thought we were covering Welcome to Heartbreak. I thought you were going to say that. I just, it threw me off. And I, I feel very discombobulated heading into this experience. As I said the Watching the Throne, I was like, man, I should have said Welcome to Heartbreak. All right. You want to you wanna do a redo? Can we? Yeah, let's redo. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Five, four, three, two. Welcome to Heartbreak. Oh, that's a great, Chris, that's a great idea for an intro. You just came up with that? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I just did. Wow, that's so impressive. Uh, and who are you again? Oh, Chris Lambert. Okay, my name's Travis Bain. And today, well, you, you kind of already gave it away what we're discussing. I, <laughs> I guess I'm not really sure what to say now. <laughs> Should just I guess. the intro the regular way. Yeah, I, I guess you're not certain what to say now. <laughs> let's go uh, back. Are, let's go back and do the intro the normal way. Okay. Okay. You ready? Okay. You ready? Yeah. Five, four, three, two. Welcome to Watching the Throne. A lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name is Chris Lambert. And my name is Travis Bean. And today we're discussing Welcome to Heartbreak. Oh, man. How smooth that was. I know. That was, that right that off was the cuff? nice. I like how everybody got to hear you say five, four, three, two, one, <laughs> twice. I know, right? <laughs> Pulling back the curtain, breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> to, like, I think you've done that for every single episode since the beginning of us doing this show. Yeah. It's, it's a nice. constant. It's nice. I, I love when bands start songs like that. They're like, one, two, three, four, because it like eases me into it. And it's a nice reminder of like, you know, what number comes after that number. <laughs> Wait, but do you ever get those bonus tracks on albums where you hear the band like legit go like one two for one, sure two three four dun. those those are my favorite songs <laughs> there's the uh actually one of my favorite songs is uh a foo fighter song where they do that right at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> because they do that because they do that that's right oh yeah does connie does he count in songs ever uh, unless you no, no, I don't think he's ever said a number in any of his songs. <laughs> I, I mean, that has happened, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know. And next time here, listener out there, next time you hear Kanye say a number or if we ever encounter it in the show, we'll highlight it. 
uh, will announce it, and we'll keep track of every time he does it. But I, I'm just going to put it out. My bet is he's never done it. He's never said a number in any of the songs. I don't songs. think so. I, like maybe he said two, but he's probably saying like T O O, not T W O. No, never. What about? Huh. I mean, there is the song "Only One." Okay, you got me there. Only one. <laughs> I feel like I should have thought about that immediately, <laughs> and I didn't. For some reason, my brain's just stuck in looking at college dropout songs. It hasn't been uh. able to expand past <laughs> thinking about any other songs. All right. Well, we'll worry about this later. But for now, maybe we should talk about the song at hand. Yeah, that's a great call, Travis. Should we start yeah. from the beginning? <laughs> yeah, let's start over. All right, five, four. Uh, Welcome to Heartbreak is our second song that we're covering on 808s and Heartbreak because we're going in order. Imagine that. Well, um, yeah, but it's the third episode. It is the third episode. Uh, we just did our Say You Will coverage uh, joined by Cole Kushner. So you should listen to that if you haven't yet. Uh, it is a very good and illuminating episode in terms mm. of Say You Will. You you learn a thing or two in that one. Oh, yeah. I know that's for sure. <laughs> and for the first time ever in the show, you learned about the sonic elements of a song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at that. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so Welcome to Heartbreak picks up where Say You Will left off in terms of Say You Will being uh, very much about what Kanye has lost, right? And mm-hmm. He's reflecting on the fact that this woman in his life who he still cares about has left him and he's very broken up about it. And on the one hand that does set the stage for what this album's going to look at, but welcome to heartbreak is a elaboration on that emotion because it's one thing to be heartbroken by uh, a woman leaving you, right? Or a significant other breaking up with you and you feeling lonesome. It's Mm. another thing to have that feeling extend into your entire life where nothing's giving you satisfaction and you feel like you are missing out on the joys of life uh, despite being this famous person that has all these material goods. So Woken Heartbreak elaborates on that emotion, uh, taking it beyond just the relationship stuff to the actual just existential crisis of fame. Right. It, it also elaborates on the like fantasy of say you will like he is missing out in this relationship with this one but he also like fantasizes that she's there or is trying to create this reality in his mind that like he can share a connection with her but it's not real it's just something he's fabricated and i think that energy continues into welcome the heartbreak where like Kanye has seen all of these things in his life, like pictures of this guy's kids and the report card and like this woman getting married, like all these things he doesn't have that he would like to have. Um, but he's not like, you know, the the fantasy is is like the literal creation of the fantasy is missing. Like these are just now elements of Kanye's life that we know from Say You Will that like he would like, like these things would be fulfilling to him. But instead, they're just kind of like in the periphery and surrounding him and um I mean, sonically, these two songs kind of bleed into like the songs literally do bleed into one another. The the outro of So You Will just like goes right into the violin of of Welcome to Heartbreak and like they're kind of fused in that way and they just they all those energies are it's seamless how they just go right into each other and thematically like they're just tied like that. Yeah, I in some ways I always get angry when people say like the life of Pablo is not cohesive and I'm like yes it is. Let me shake you. What? <laughs> Yeah. 
frustrates me. And that's been a criticism since it came out. I remember, I think Fantano was one of the the big ones to initially say that. Mm, I think I he's backed he off a little bit on that um, as a critique of that album. But you still have people that will just be like, oh, it, Life of Pablo is lazy and not cohesive. And it's like, it is. You just don't understand. But I like compared to 808s and Heartbreak, just right. the sense of minimalism that Say You Will starts with and how that continues into welcome to heartbreak does feel so cohesive right like getting the dichotomies that you do on the life of pablo which is very much the point like which one kanye's setting up the juxtaposition between father stretch my hands part one and two between famous and feedback but i get why somebody would be like this is cohesive and that's not even though it is but yeah yeah, and that's really, I mean, you're totally right. That's kind of a beautiful part of this album. It, it, you're also right that it, it's not a fault to the life of Pablo. Like, that's the purpose of, like, he's creating a chaos that exists in his life. But he's creating that same chaos here. Like, there's a quiet chaos to his life to where, like, he wants these saints but can't have them. And is instead moved from place to place as a celebrity and, like, constantly consumed by his duties and, like, and the new life that he lives. It's um, it's a different kind of chaos that is enhanced by the fact that each song does bleed into one another so seamlessly uh it's it's much more like i don't know it it, it i was gonna say more filmic but i guess plenty of films have a chaos to them like the life <laughs> pop but there is something kind of uh mature about this kind of storytelling you know where like everything feels of one yeah and i think maybe some of the difference that we're seeing between those two things right is that Kanye at this point is still so new to fame like he's four years removed from the college dropout coming out like coming up on five years at this point so college dropout comes out in 2004 we get late registration in 2005 which really catapults him and then graduation in 2007 he's already feeling this pressure of maybe fame's not going to be everything that I thought it was going to be (laughs) And then 2008, he's like steeped in this, but he's still so new to this lifestyle and the excitement of it and still, I think, very thankful for what he's getting to do. And we're going to talk in a few minutes, but at this time for this album, he did a chapter in Chicken Soup for the, (laughs) what is it? Chicken Soup for the Soul, the story behind the song. And there's a chapter by Kanye on Welcome to Heartbreak specifically. And he talks about feeling like he's a prisoner to his fans, but says that he's not mad about it and knows that he like chose this, but he's just very aware of the fact that there's this superstar shell and then there's the real person and the contrast between them. And I feel like on this album, he's aware of that tension but kind of resigned to it Mm -hmm. and that's why there's this like quiet sadness as opposed to the life of pablo where he's kind of sick of it yeah right and you see like the escalating tension right like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy takes it up a notch jesus takes it up a notch the life of pablo takes it up a notch to where it no longer goes from just a quiet acceptance of this is how it is but to a battle for the soul and we're yeah. witnessing like a war go on between my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and the life of Pablo. And uh, I think that kind of 
is why there's such a difference in soundscapes and why this tends to be so much quieter because it is Kanye trying to accept that this is the way things are. Yeah, that's beautifully put. And it it all makes sense when you think about it post-graduation where, you know, that album ends with him losing his relationship with the city and losing his big brother. And in between graduation and 808s, breaks up with Alexis Pfeiffer and loses his mom. Like he really doesn't have any of the staples in his life that he had. He had no stability and the bottom drops out from underneath him. And the the sound of this album perfectly captures that feeling, the the kind of waywardness and how lost you feel. Like you don't know. That's one of the things we'll talk about in this song. And and what I love about the, the production of this album is that there's kind of a lack of direction to everything. Um, there's like, there's a lot of dissonant sounds. Like there's a lot of lone drums and, and, and droning keyboards and just like light piano. And they're all very separate and disconnected in a way that creates this empty space. Like you could pick apart each of those dissonant elements, um, and see all the, the, the energies those sounds are creating and how they all contrast with each other and, all any of that is doing is creating like this chaos like we're talking about and but it's not like the life of pablo like like you're saying where like there's a battle going on that you could follow like there's something um upbeat about it like something like there's action there's kind of a lack of action on 808 it's it's this it's this portrait of kanye in this moment in his life where he doesn't know where to go or what to do or how to fix himself and what we get is like this the sound where it, it's not really moving forward you're just kind of steeping in this sadness you know travis has not read the the chicken soup chapter but i have <laughs> and i like that everything he's saying is just from a place of just pure uh <laughs> critic and scholar just, right just reacting and then this is uh how kanye phrased it you know, you can see how what Travis said lined up with what Tra- or Kanye said. Uh, it was a tough year after the breakup with my fiance and losing my mom. This whole album was a poignant reality. I opened myself up to new ideas. I was heartbroken and deflated, lauded and idolized all at the same time. It was a time of the highest highs and the lowest lows. Kanye West has become a global brand. What I have had to learn is how to separate myself from that and be Kanye. The person who can have real life and be able to go to soccer games with my kids. Wow. Yeah, and of course he puts it like beautifully and paints a scene and everything. Like he transfers all of that kind of energy to the lyrics of a song like this too. Yep. Yeah, he really, really does. Just like that contrast between the the brand and then yeah. the person and how distant he is from being the person. Oh man, that's such a a great point that Kanye made about his own song, um, <laughs> where, where he talked about being idolized. Like that's still something I think he he kind of deals with today. But to be in the early stages of that, to to have all these people adore you, which is exactly what he wanted on graduation. He wanted to go out into the world and be adored by everybody and play these giant shows and stadiums. But and he's being idolized and being praised, and everyone loves him. But they don't know anything about him. They don't know any. They don't know about the sadness he's experiencing and expressing and welcome the heartbreak. So you have to like, you have to put on the face and be the Kanye that everyone loves. And then once you move away from that and like slink back to your your room or you, your house where you live by yourself, like 
you're forced to confront the emptiness of everything. Like that's a crazy juxtaposition in your life. You know, once again, Travis has not read this chapter. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> and he uh, hit the nail on the head. So this other paragraph, Kanye says, I became a prisoner of my own fans. I'm not complaining. And I know that I put myself there. But at the end of the day, I had to break out of prison, except that I will never have a normal life that is part of the territory and look beyond it, which gets to some of the inaction and acceptance rather than the right. battle. Right. But I'm trying to live a more normal life. I'm in Hawaii now where things are slow. I went to a virgin <laughs> mega store, which I love. I'm like a kid in a candy store there. And nobody was looking at me. It was one of those lost moments that I thank God for. So, yeah, exactly wow. that, right? Like, he <laughs> that's one of the reasons why he was escaping to Hawaii. Because he could just go around and nobody really cared that, oh, my God, Kanye's there. And he says, I expressed a lot of these same feelings in Pinocchio's story. I don't have to be what a celebrity is supposed to be. I don't want to be a superstar shell of myself. I need to know who's the real person. I don't want to simply be a caricature. Mm. Yeah, I'm uh, really excited to talk about Pinocchio's story <laughs> 11 episodes from now. Because <laughs> um, I feel like every single song we talk about, like, like Pinocchio's story will just become an undercurrent and all our discussions and, and everything he's expressing in that song and like who he wants to be like because that song is so raw and real and removed from like the kind of storytelling he would do and like welcome to heartbreak where like you know your lyrics are planned out and you you have the structure like pinocchio story just feels of the moment and him just expressing himself very plainly and i feel like that's i mean that energy is just going to be here throughout yep it it will <laughs> it very much will i think i mean we realized that the first time through the album how important po pinocchio story was but i think this second time through it's just gonna be one of those things where we're like pinocchio story is <sighs> the best song on this album yeah i'm already starting to feel that way i know in the in the preview episode i put see you in my nightmares number one but i'm already thinking pinocchio story is gonna top it yeah it's just so good so original like who else has done something like that? I mean, we talked about Kendrick with I, but it's yeah. still not quite the same thing. Maybe someone has, but I don't know if it's like that raw and sad. <laughs> it's <laughs> crazy. Um, well, so Woken to Heartbreak, one of the crazy things, like we talk about how this is our second time through the discography and the first time we weren't looking at samples as much and how big of a game changer that was. Uh, if we, even if we were the first time through <laughs> when we covered welcome to heartbreak, I think it was 2016. Yeah. We would not have been able to talk about the sample on this song because people didn't know it existed <laughs> at Crazy. all. Like, think about that for just one second <laughs> from 2008 to 2019 or really like the end of December, 2018. So still 10 years. Yeah. People didn't know that Welcome to Heartbreak had a sample. And part of that's Kanye's fault. In the liner notes for the album, he doesn't give any credit to anyone, uh. <laughs> which was something he used to be much worse at. Um, yeah. I think 808s was the album where he started giving out more credit to collaborators in a way that he hadn't done on the initial trilogy. Mm -hmm. And then, but it seems like he still wasn't giving all the uh, sample credits that he does today. But so on the one hand, it's an obscure sample and he didn't list it. So there's a reason why people didn't think one existed. But I always think about the fact that I feel like we're 
the first ones to lay out what the main story of the college dropout is. Mm-hmm. That it's not well known that there's a three act structure and like what each of the acts are and are doing. I'm sure people have talked about it being a concept album in the past, but I think as far as I'm aware, we're the first ones and it took what, <laughs> 14 years right, for people to come up with a theory of like, this is the story. This is the grounded elements of that story. This is the big argument about why it exists and how we're having multiple elements that have taken a decade for people to figure out <laughs> are right. on Kanye albums. Like that's wild. That's yeah, the kind of fucking fl- smart. Yeah. It's the kind of artist that we're dealing with here. Like he just a lot more nuance to his discography yeah. than I think a lot of people give credits and there's still a lot more to be discovered anyway. So you have this genius tweet on January 2nd, 2019. And it says, it turns out Kanye took inspiration from Italian composers Michel Federigato and Danilo Lorenzini's 1979 track Fiori Mystici. Which, yeah, okay. So you click on the article, and it just says, um, 808's and Heartbreak enjoyed its 10-year anniversary this past November, but even a decade after the fact, fans are discovering new info about the album. Earlier this month, users on KTT, Kanye Tutha, and Who Sampled finally figured out where the chord progression on Kid Cudi-assisted 808's cut Welcome to Heartbreak originated from. And the article doesn't really... It just... That's that's kind of it. Yeah. But it links to the Kanye to the post and you just have the first post uh, from this Wiss person who I guess is banned currently yeah. <laughs> uh, that links to the specific song and says pretty crazy. It only just been found if it was today. Well, that's not <laughs> well written, but <laughs> we get it. Yeah. And all these people reacting, just like, that's crazy, damn, OP came through, who found this, beautiful, great find, and just kind of like a lot of surprise. And there's a Rachel music page for the album itself, Fiore del Sol. And I, there's not much about Michelle or Danilo. They have Apple music pages, but not a lot of albums listed. I tried finding biographies on them. And could it find yeah. any biography on either of them? Um, I tried looking up more about the album and could it find anything more about the album? <laughs> I went through all these motions. <laughs> yeah, it's really, they're just like ghosts. <laughs> uh, but one person, Phallus D on Rachel Music said, Side one, short pieces for pipe organ, played alone in a church for oneself and unknowingly recorded by Franco Basciato. Mm. And side two, it says the same thing, uh, but it's not a church. It's in one's home and unknowingly recorded. And so I don't know if that's really true. Like this is just these people playing pipe organ by the, and piano by themselves. And this person's just sneaking around <laughs> recording right. it and making an album of it. But uh, the sample comes from part two, which I don't know if that's Danilo or Michelle, but it's the first piece from uh played alone at one's home 
and I, it's just very beautiful to me. Like the whole album's 33 minutes. You can find it on YouTube. And I find it very striking. The minimalism, very beautiful. And uh, it's quite the discovery that Kanye heard this. I don't know how he would have. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's interesting because like you got to think, I mean, we already saw in graduation, it was really branching out with this sampling and choosing these kind of like classic rock artists and choosing to have punk uh really kind of going all over the place with the music that populated his albums and if you think about graduation uh well if you think about like you know college dropout late registration like a lot of those are soul samples like it's all the music kind of grew up on and the music he knew and it really shaped that that chipmunk soul aesthetic he had going at first he went a new direction with graduation where he really wanted to blow up and become more universal and you could see why he would choose Elton John and Steely Dan and Daft Punk uh here on 808 it's like I mean his life is consumed with sadness and loss um it's not surprising to me that he was seeking out minimalist records like this where I mean I used to listen to a lot of minimalism but it was mostly because like I could put it on while I worked it's like there it was like a bunch of sadness in my life but there's like an emptiness to the sound that makes sense to me that why he would choose music like this and why this kind of music would be populating his life and what he'd be finding and seeking out at record stores and stuff like that uh because you know he's sad and, and lost and his life feels empty like this all kind of speaks to that it does and you know this is all instrumental. Yeah. There's no lyrics to anything. So usually we find connections between the sample and the lyrics of the sample or the title with whatever Kanye's doing on the song. And you might be thinking, well, that's impossible here. <laughs> ha. <laughs> I say to you, ha. Chris has a theory. Yeah, don't doubt our ability to reach and stretch, <laughs> you know. Um. So the main the main thought is just that on this song, we see Kanye contrasting his lifestyle and the materialism that he has with the family elements that less wealthy people have, right, uh, in general. Like him being in first class while he hears a, a dad telling jokes to kids back in coach, those kinds of things. Like having all these cars, but it doesn't, matter because like other people have kids showing them their report cards and we know that kanye associates italy with fashion and with like highbrow arts and all these like high class things like luxury items come from italy right mm -hmm. you get your luxury suitcase from italy like the fanciest car in the world's italian isn't it lamborghini <laughs> yeah okay sure <laughs> ferrari <laughs> yeah um, you have these fancy cars from Italy. The top fashion designers are from Italy. So I feel like for Kanye, Italy can represent a lot of that wealth and a lot of that materialism. So to have this minimalist Italian song here, it kind of is the melancholy of his wealthy life, but being used as the production elements. Yeah. That's a really cool way of thinking about it. And I guess if you want to remove any like extraneous meaning like any of it could have, like you're saying, I think the most interesting part of sampling a song like this is that when you listen to uh, the Fiori Mistichi song on its own, it's 
I mean, it's it's minimalism. It's just the piano like kind of by itself, and it reverberates in its emptiness. But on anyways, in Heartbreak on Welcome to Heartbreak, it, it's a it's a pop song, and it's mixed with like drums and keyboard, and it and ends up carrying like a, a different energy. Yet it is inherently attached to that energy of the original sample, which is what something we talk about constantly. We're I mean, it's always a little easier because like we can look at the lyrics of a song and know the meaning of something and how Connie's drawing meaning from those lyrics and those ideas. But here with minimalism, like all you have is the sound and the emotion and atmosphere it's creating. So to know that Connie is like drawing out that kind of emptiness from something that's inherently that energy and trying to turn it into something poppy and upbeat. Um, I just think that's interesting because it almost makes it seem like no matter how, fun and exciting he tries to make a song like it's infused with this like sadness of the original song (laughs) it really yeah (laughs) it really is but he does a damn good job of making a banner yeah and it's just fitting like right because he like dresses up this melancholy which is exactly what he's doing in his life Mm. oh god there's gonna be several times this episode where I have to take like a deep breath (laughs) All right, so the last premise and or the last like uh, precursor discussion, mm-hmm. and it will guide us into the lyrics, is that right before this album came out, actually Kanye went on to the Wake Up Show uh, with Sway and DJ King Tech. So it was posted to YouTube February nineteenth, two thousand nine, but I'm pretty sure it was earlier than this that he went on the show maybe not maybe sway just doesn't know yeah that heartbreak. could be it <laughs> that could be <laughs> but kanye goes on the show and he's just like there and he's talking and they're talking about um just life in general stuff in general and at one point kanye starts freestyling and he's like it's a legit freestyle from kanye not one where he's just doing a, a song that he already recorded and at one point he mentions well, and Sway also does say, like, rest in peace to Donda. So, you know, it's soon after mm-hmm. between that 2007 and 2009 period. Um, but as Kanye's doing this uh, freestyle, he mentions something about getting a woman pregnant and she's having a baby. And at the end of it, Sway's just kind of like, I thought you were serious for a second. I was about to congratulate you. And Kanye looks at him and is just like, uh, my friend showed me pictures of his kids and all I could show him was pictures of my cribs. And you see this look on Sway's face. He's just like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, and he touches Kanye's arm, like legitimately touches Kanye's arm and goes, that's a rhyme. And Kanye kind of looks at him. And maybe this explains Kanye's look. Yeah. Because he's like, you didn't clearly didn't listen to the album. Or maybe he's just like serious. He's like, no, that's a line. It's a line I have on the song. And he starts talking about what went on to inspire it and he says that it was nick from mtv just like anybody should know who or dave from mtv Uh and uh sway is just like oh yeah dave you're like who's dave but apparently it's one of the like the head people at mtv Mm -hmm. and he says we were talking about my love lockdown performance and he was he had all these photos of his kids and he was showing me pictures of his kids and I was just realizing, like, 
I don't have anything similar. Right. <laughs> and he's like, you ever want to like silence a 30 year old? Just like show him pictures of your family because he has nothing that he can compare that to with you don't have a family. So Kanye is like very much in that moment expressing the fact that he was like lonely and feeling a step behind. What's funny is that like it seems like this Dave guy's like a higher, higher up at MTV. So it's it's not like Dave probably yeah. didn't have money. Right. <laughs> it's like Dave just happened to have money and kids. Plenty of cribs. Yeah. Um, so in the Chicken Soup <laughs> book, it talks about how we were shooting in a hotel and I was talking to Dave Sorelnik a producer from MTV discussing ideas for performance of mine. He had a small photo album of him and his wife and kids on the beach and doing different things together. It struck me that I really want to be married and have a family, but that hasn't worked out for me. And then he says, my friend showing pictures of his kids. I felt like I was in high school and jealous of what another guy had. I knew that was what I really wanted. You have to put time and effort into a relationship with the right person. You have to be with the right person to have a family. Being number one is great, and I want that, but I also want to chase other dreams in my life. Yeah. Here comes another deep breath. Right. Emotional. Uh, I guess what's interesting about this, too, is the the timeline of this event, right? Because it would have been before, like, right before 808's released. Yeah, so I, I swear in the Sway interview, he says that he was talking about... I mean, maybe he was saying it, I took it when he first said it, that they were discussing like the aftermath of his Love Lockdown performance, which happened on September 7th at MTV. And uh, it was like after that performance, he had this conversation and that's what caused him to go write Welcome to Heartbreak. But in the Chicken Soup stuff, he says, we're discussing ideas for a performance of mine. Uh. So maybe they were setting up the love lockdown performance and this is what happened but either way it engendered welcome to heartbreak whether or not it was he already have he whether or not he already had love lockdown completed or not yeah so and i mean i guess if you think about it between donda dying and this album coming out it's it's only a year like all this had to be completed written planned out within a year which is kind of crazy to think of that kanye would put that kind of pressure on himself to do. I mean, as an artist, maybe that's kind of liberating for him to do. Like it's a way for him to express all this, all these things he's feeling, but at the same time, like, I mean, producing an album isn't easy. <laughs> all, all these performances he's doing, all these lyrics he's writing. I mean, just to think he was in that kind of headspace and had that kind of chaos in his life while he's recovering from this loss. That's crazy. I'm pretty sure the timeline wise for the first half of 2008 he was doing all glow in the dark tour oh wow like it was putting it together like all the pre-production and then doing the actual tour and he had just finished up and went right into 808s that's crazy like i think the tour may have ended in august and he started recording 808s in september and finished recording in october so the story goes that he was just recording 808s over the period of three weeks. Yeah. Which uh, you think about Ye and how people were like, oh, he worked too quickly. Yeah. And yada, yada, yada. And it's like, nah. Didn't it record like half of Jesus in like two hours? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So people complain about yeah. anything. 
Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things, like the less you know of the process, the easier it is just to be like, he's a genius that worked on this <laughs> for years. <laughs> and then you're like, oh no, he's a genius that just did it last minute. Yeah. Constantly. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, all right, so welcome to Heartbreak Lyrics. Yeah, well, I, I do want to talk about the musical intro. Just like you know it's like 40 seconds on it it starts out with that it with a lone violin which actually and i think about it kind of recreates the energy of uh fiori mystici like this very minimalist like just this one lone sound and it's kind of cool how it that transitions from say you will like it, it's actually a pretty stark change while those songs kind of seamlessly bleed into each other it's there's a lot going on and say you will like there's the the drums there's that electronic beat there's a there's a choir it's very full at the end and then it leads kind of into this just like viola that's by itself um which plays for like 20 seconds and then we jump into like the sound we're going to hear throughout the song which is like these three contrasting elements which is a the drums which are like the star of the album they dictate the tone, the flow of the melody. And here it's like, it's heavy, it's slow. It's just beating and it's not really moving the song forward because it's so slow. Um, it's just kind of steeping in where it's at and like sitting in one place and creates this energy of like stagnancy and passivity. Um, and then you get the keyboard, which actually like replaces the violin. It's, it's uh, it, it kind of has the same tempo and just becomes like a substitute for the violin, which is funny because like a violin is very pretty. <laughs> like no matter how sad a violin sounds, like you're kind of floored by like the beauty it creates, but the keyboard is anything but that. It's like monotonous drone um, that is seemingly keeping the same energy of the violin, but not, it's suddenly empty and stale and minimal and it sets up the, the sorrow of Connie's lyrics. And then you get the piano, which we've talked about a lot. Like it, it, it inherently has like this sad feel from the sample it's borrowing from. Yet it's also like the poppy part of the song. Like it, it's carrying the song forward. Um, and because of that, like it kind of has its own chaos that naturally comes from it. Because none, nothing that happens in this song is, is happy <laughs> or fun. <laughs> uh, so like it's moving the song forward in like a bad direction. Like it can only end poorly. So like you have all that going on right at the beginning, which 
seems to perfectly set up Welcome to Heartbreak and the lyrics you're about to hear. It really primes you for the the energy of the song. And the lyrics are so minimal right. in a way that goes along with that, right? Like, I mean, Say You Will was as well, but we think back to the long verses that Kanye had on the college dropout, late registration, right. graduation, where I think he's done a lot more shorter verses like 808s ever since and a lot of the 808 style from the production to the lyricism has persisted over time but this is such a stark contrast and yeah. you could maybe say say wills just like an intro track so it's a little more moody this does feel more like a structured song in the fact it's verse chorus verse chorus bridge verse chorus outro right but it's just so small <laughs> like the court the verses go so swiftly yeah hmm. and and he's like speaking slowly and there's a lot more affectations on his voice there's a lot of like echo and i don't know that it creates just this air of like this ghostly air like we've actually talked a lot about that in graduation and how there are sometimes like haunting sounds on a song, but because there's so much going on in graduation, like you kind of have to like pick it apart and like go find it to like, oh, Kanye is like subtly doing this. There's no subtlety to Welcome to Heartbreak. Like it is telling you like how sad and empty everything is. And um, in Kanye, it, and it's the same with like what you're saying with the verses, like how s simple they are. Um, and because they're simple, and there's less to them like they almost carry more power like every word every line like carries so much meaning and pain and and is expressing so much yeah and that was a you brought up something that's also worth noting like say you will is singing right mm -hmm. <laughs> and it throws people off and then you think like welcome to heartbreak okay it has this traditional structure but as you said, he's still speaking slow. It doesn't really feel like rapping, right. even though it's not quite seen the way that he did on Say You Will or the way that he'll do on other songs in the album. So this is one of the reasons why people were so tripped up while listening to this album, because they're just like, what is this? What is this guy doing? Yeah. I guess it's not until Heartless do you get actual rapping. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Which, uh... <laughs> Wow, I can't believe I'm about to make this comparison, but <laughs> you think about I Thought About Killing You and the fact that I Thought About Killing You starts with spoken word, moves into singing rapping, and then goes into actual rapping. Mm. It's a very similar uh, progression here, starting with the singing on Say You Will, kind of the thoughtful singing on Say You Will to the Woken Heartbreak sing rapping kind of thing to then Heartless, which is actually rapping. Wow. Love that. Love it. Love that. <laughs> Boom. Okay. <laughs> My friends show me pictures of his kids. And all I could show him was pictures of my cribs. He said his daughter got a brand new report card. card. And all I got was a brand new sports car. So my friend showed me pictures of his kids, you know, great. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the con like things that we see here that's a contrast is that usually people don't like seeing photos of other people's kids or pets or anything like that. You can find a million jokes about it. Uh, but here it seems like Kanye may be starting off with that energy, 
but we know that no no he likes the kids and it's his cribs and his car that he is kind of sick of right which uh, yeah. i think people are tend to be more excited to see photos of houses and cars <laughs> and and that that heaviness of that like that is really matched by the production because we have the same sounds from the beginning but the piano disappears like we suddenly lose the poppiness of it and you're just left with the drums and the keyboard and and it forces you to steep in that monotony that Kanye set up sonically it's really perfect for these lyrics here in the first verse because Kanye is just sitting there with this dude and forced to confront the emptiness of a celebrity life but we're also forced to confront it musically like we're we're suddenly just like in this and there's no the beauty has been removed like there's no piano there's no pop and it's just like I don't know it's just kind of ugly yeah yeah in a beautiful way yeah of course um, of course of course goes without saying <laughs> uh, and all I could show him was pictures of my cribs which you know the idea of like kids and cribs like Kanye has an empty crib because he doesn't have a, a kid but also his like house right right so you get some duality to the word crib uh, he said his daughter got a brand new report card like ooh, <laughs> and all I got was a brand new sports car which yeah I think most people would be more excited about the sports car but that's the <laughs> the tension of this song is that how awesome would it be to have a kid who brings home a report card and right. what you have to do it almost feels easier to Kanye to get the sports car than it does for him to meet someone who he can fall in love with and have a kids with and have this like regular life. Right. And once again, that's really conveyed with the production because the kids, cribs and card, all of those lines, like all of those words have an echo to them. Um, and it's just such an interesting choice to make. Like it, it's like this emptiness in Kanye's life is now reverberating with these elements, like the life he liked to live, kids, report card, and the life he actually has, which is cribs, <laughs> you know, car, like these these things that seem cool, like you're saying, and are like such, um, such a consuming part of his life. But what's also consuming is this life he wants to live and can't have. Pain major yeah. pain it's uh it, it's also interesting to think about these lines in the context of kanye's life now and how yeah. like he tried so long to get this life and finally had it and then was forced to confront like all of these new <laughs> elements that he had to face and like things he had to do to like make that life fulfilling yeah there's a whole conversation to have there just with it, the idea of he finally has his family and buys the property in Wyoming. He's still like kind of flying all around. It feels like he's reinvigorated with a mission to not just make great music, right? Not just make great clothes, but he's trying to change the world and solve issues. He's right. running for president. And it's like he wasn't satisfied with the material possessions he had here and thought he'd be more satisfied with the family. And he definitely was more satisfied having the family as well, as we saw in the life of Pablo and yay and right. uh, Jesus is King. Like we know he loves his family, but at the same time, 
there's just something else that he's feeling unfulfilled with presently. Yeah. Like you can see the sequence of it all. Like when you start out, like college dropout, late registration days, like, like I need to graduate into this life where like I have money and fame and like I can inspire people. And then when the emptiness of that kind of life sets in, you're like, Oh, I need kids and a, and a wife. And then once you get that and like you finally have that stability, you now have the foundation to go do those things that you're, that you're talking about and like create bigger change. And there are all these like little things in his life that he had to fix before he could graduate to like that step. You even think about how that's reflected in the life of Pablo, right? The album doesn't end with wolves, mm -hmm. which would have been the way to say, I am satisfied with family and what I have. Right. It continues on to St. Pablo, like, <laughs> which is Kanye reflecting on society. Which is a really happy song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just <laughs> overjoyed, you know, very similar to Last Call. Um, but he is looking at society and his place in society and how he can affect change in society and how he can possibly bring his faith and religion and God into his nightlife, right? In terms of being a public figure and a rapper and a performer and this whole other aspect of who he is rather than just in his private life. And he wants to go and change the world. So it's like even this album that is so much about getting married and settling into marriage and parenthood mm. ends with him wanting to change the world and be Saint Pablo, like Saint Kanye, not just yeah. Kanye the husband, Kanye the father. Ah, it's such a Kanye thing to do. <laughs> it is, isn't it? He makes our job hard. <sighs> yeah, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> if you can call this a job. Well. You know who makes it easy? Kid Cudi. <laughs> That's right. Let's let's talk about him. So this is the first appearance of Cuddy, like chronologically in Kanye's mm -hmm. discography. Um, and he's just doing the chorus here. A little like subtle arrival, right? He's not getting a spit of verse like Lupe Fiasco. Mm -hmm. um, just saying in my head, keep spinning. Can't stop having these visions. I got to get with it. <laughs> I. Uh, it's funny because we talked about this on the the intro episode like the lyrics are much simpler in 808s um and there isn't like seemingly there isn't as much to unpack but because Kanye's on such a different level production wise because like because there are less sounds on 808s there's more kind of to pick apart and unpack with each thing and welcome to heartbreak is such an awesome example of this like because Kanye keeps introducing all these like interesting elements like it almost feels like there's more to talk about Oh, welcome to heartbreak than something like we major, you know, that has like a billion lines. Um, and this is another great kit example where like when Cuddy comes in, the piano comes back in as well. And now you have like these two poppy elements that are fusing together. Like there's a poppiness to the vocals that makes the song more fun and listenable. 
but the lyrics are heavy and sad. There's nothing happy about the lyrics. And now that tempo is paired with the piano, which is really out of control and chaotic <laughs> and is inherently paired with the sadness of the original sample. And you have all of that mixing with the dreariness of the drums and the keyboard. Like it's just insane that all of those energies fuse to, and while they're all like seemingly very different energies, like you could see how they all come together to form what is Kanye's life here. Like something that's very unfulfilling man <laughs> it's crazy yeah and uh you have Cuddy lyrically kind of trying to rouse himself like i say himself but Cuddy's obviously a stand-in for kanye right. here right it's still the kanye character just being described through Cuddy's uh, mm. performance so it's not like Cuddy's head that keeps spinning it's still kanye's head um but you can see that he's kind of reeling from this moment and having these visions of what his life could be in terms of if I had a wife, if I had a family and he's trying to shake himself out of it. I got to get with it. I can't be letting these things distract me from what it is I'm doing or keep me off my grind or there's this kind of self-correction that's trying to take place. Mm. That's partially a self-denial almost like hey you know be the celebrity you're supposed to be like stop having these cracks in your armor where by the end of the album it's all cracks no armor <laughs> that's the name of the bag for you're going to write for Kanye west all cracks no armor <laughs> i uh yeah you're totally right you're actually making me think um I'm, I'm thinking back through Kanye's first three albums and and he has plenty of people featured on those albums, uh, a lot of guest verses and people who just do the hooks. But I'm starting to think there's nothing quite like this. Like this is the first time we're getting this kind of feature on a Kanye song. Like I'm thinking forward to Hold My Liquor where you have like Justin Vernon and Chief Keef like representing these energies in Kanye's life and how they like contrast each other and create this tension. I feel like this is kind of an example of that where it's it's not just like an extension of the song. It's not something added to make the song more listenable and poppy. It's it's very much part of it. Like it, it feels fused with what Kanye is saying. It feels fused with the music in a way that I'm not really sure we've gotten from him yet. Yeah. That's a that's a great point. Cuz everyone else is just kind of doing their thing on the song and right. being part of it but this is what we talk about with hold my liquor yeah did i say hold my liquor i meant to say that yeah yeah oh okay um, but just like reinforcing it this is what we talk about when we talk so yeah 808s he was on it yeah like like thinking of like chris martin on homecoming like yeah what chris martin is saying like plays into like this big metaphor connie's talking about but 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 you're right. It feels like a performance. Like it feels like something. It it feels like Chris Martin. Like this, Cuddy Hook feels like Kanye. Like it feels like they really collaborated on this. Right, and it's not like on Homecoming. You can be like, oh, well, Chris Martin's singing about this thing that's applicable to it, or like Little Wayne's pairing with Kanye on uh, Barry Bonds to add his perspective or just reinforce this like egotistical lifestyle. We shouldn't read 
little Wayne on Barry Bonds as a offshoot of Kanye himself, right? Right. It's just like joining Kanye in that behavior and reinforcing the theme of the song. Right. Same thing with like Quelly in Get Em High. <laughs> like, right. Quelly's not performing as Kanye, but Kid Cudi here is performing as Kanye. Yeah. Wow. It's it's like an insight into his mind. Like it's this, like we always, like we talk about Justin Vernon and Chief Keef being like the devil on the right shoulder and the angel on the left. Like it kind of feels like that. Like it's, it's something that's consuming Kanye in the moment. Yeah. And he's just expressing it through this, the vocals of another artist. Wow. Man, this song, oof, okay. This needs to move up higher on my list now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Verse two, dad cracked a joke. You know how dads do. All the kids Ugh. laughed. My, I used to be in so much pain when my dad told dad jokes and shit. That's going to be my kid's entire existence. Oh, yeah. oh, I've already settled into it and I don't even have kids yet. <laughs> yeah, they're, God. And then our kids are going to have the extra burden of their friends being like, do you hear their dad's podcast? <laughs> it's like. 15 years old and it's so <laughs> stupid no one talks about Kanye anymore ah well don't say that <laughs> imagine that world people say that uh, now what a disaster of yeah yeah right Taylor fans on Twitter no one even knows Kanye <laughs> uh, okay dad cracked a joke all the kids laughed but I couldn't hear him all the way in first class which some irony there because you know how would you know that the dad cracked a joke and all the kids laughed if you couldn't hear them yeah yeah there's something cool that happens here i I don't really know how to describe it but kind of like the echoing in the first verse the there are lines and words throughout the second verse that like vibrate like the word starts before kanye says it and is like it stretches out and then like echoes away after he says the word it's really weird. Maybe there's a maybe that's a t- musical technique someone knows that can explain to me. Um, but again, I think it's a sonic way of capturing Kanye's sadness. Like it turns the monotony and emptiness emptiness of celebrity life into something really eerie and consuming. <laughs> like the fact that his dad is cracking jokes and making kids laugh isn't just something at the distance, like how he's describing, but it's something he can hear. It's something that's still consuming him in the moments. I don't know. Musically, it's a really interesting technique. Nice. This is why you are such an addition because I don't even pay attention to production (laughs) elements like that. You should listen to it. Like, I don't know what he's doing, but it's this really bizarre thing that it's really cool. All right. I'm going to listen with my good headphones on and just be like, Uh, (laughs) oh my goodness. Um, and, continuing the the contrasting things right like you have a dad making all these kids laugh while kanye is just isolated and alone in first class so he has the better seats but does he have the better seat you know yeah um chase the good life my whole life long and you know we're 
a year removed from him making a song called The Good Life uh or good life and he's like flaunting the fact that he's going to miami he's going to la he's going to all these (laughs) cities and living it up and it's supposed to be this like happy song and we talk about it in our graduation breakdown that that happiness is purposely undercut on that album but he's just reinforcing the fact of how hollow that ended up being like he chased it he got it and now he's looking back on his life and his life's gone. Like, not only has he lost time in this chase for the good life, I, it's saying that is one thing, right? Like, I spent all these years pursuing this thing, and now that I have it, I realize that I could have had other things. But it's also getting into the idea of now that he is this celebrity on this level, he has become hollow as a person. He's now a product, as he says in the chicken soup for the soul chapter, (laughs) uh, that Kanye West has become a global (laughs) brand. So it's not only that, like, I regret the time spent uh, because that's a certain element of it. But I don't think he fully regrets having the success that he has. But he's just saying, like, my life is gone because it's no longer entirely mine to control because I am responsible to my fans i am responsible to the label i am now this celebrity entity rather than kanye west the person which is getting at one of the major tensions of the album and one of the major tensions of kanye's discography from this point forward wow that's so heavy also thinking too like to think that your life's gone yet the energy of this song to me is like stagnancy like he's kind of stuck in this life and like nothing fulfilling is ever really happening. And he's just constantly experiencing all these other things that people find fulfilling that he would like, but can't have in his life. Like his life isn't really moving forward yet. It feels like his life is gone and that he can't fix it. So he's just kind of in limbo. Like he's stuck in this life. That's uh, oof, wow. I'm just kind of putting all this together. That's heavy. It's very heavy. And then he leaves you with that question, where did I go wrong? Oh, God. Like, uh, (laughs) ah. Killing me, Kanye. Yeah, and if you have that in context, like, not just in this song, right? Like, oh, I'm a celebrity, where did I go wrong? But think about college dropout, late registration, graduation, the Kanye that you hear on each of those albums and the journey that he's going on and the highs that we feel for him in terms of getting signed to Rockefeller, like joining the family business in terms of becoming uh, part of the hip hop world, like the empowerment of through the wire. And then you have the beauty on late registration and all of this, like, Hey mama and the emotion of Hey mama. Mm -hmm. And all of that builds to him saying, where did I go wrong? Like, it's not just commenting on the song's intention of the song, but it's commenting on his discography, the story in his discography so far. And you should absolutely be reading that line in terms of Kanye's whole journey and whole life, which, whew. Yeah, that's a good point that he's so candid in this moment about it because each of the albums so far have like had storylines and like structures where like we could see where Kanye would have to confront 
bad decisions he's made. Like I'm thinking of the middle stretch of college dropout where he's making trivial music. Um, he, he, at some point he had to reckon with the fact that like, oh, this isn't really important music. I should make the kind of music that inspires people. And he goes on to do that by the end of college dropout. But there's never a moment where he just like looks at you and goes, where did I go wrong? Like he literally just says it, uh, which is again, another element of this album is how raw and real it is. And while, you know, he's, he's telling stories and like there's structure and juxtaposition here throughout the song, like there's just this heavy sense of realness to it at the same time that is a very different energy than we've gotten from him so, thus far. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. My life And then we get Kid Cudi coming back in, like my head keeps spinning. Yeah, like going from where did I go wrong <laughs> to my head keeps spinning, can't stop having these visions, I got to get with it. Like That chorus picks up more uh, speed, more yeah. of that sense of chaos. Oof, yeah. And then you get Kanye in the bridge saying, I've seen it, I've seen it before, I've seen it, I've seen it before. I honestly, we should have talked about this in prep. I know, I was just thinking that, like, why did we not discuss these lines before? <laughs> we should have discussed this. Oh, man. Um, I guess I theories. Maybe, yeah, I mean, what jumps out initially is just, like, Kanye has seen this happen to other people and knows that right. this has happened to other people. They kind of become super famous and lose control of their life. And uh, I mean that in the way of you start seeing all of these negative things start happening, a bit of self-destruction stop start happening. There's a fall from grace. So I wonder if Kanye is just kind of saying like, I've seen it, I've seen it before. And now he's aware that he's experiencing it. And yeah. it's kind of this thing like you're aware of it, but now you're in it. Yeah, which he's done before, like whenever he talks about Prince and Michael Jackson, like he seems to acknowledge that. I mean, especially Michael Jackson, just all the turmoil he went through and and his public image being ruined. Um, 
it, you could you could see him totally commenting on that right like prince and mike tried to warn me yeah <laughs> he talks about that on yay yeah 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 i couldn't think of the line so i wasn't gonna try to do it but you did it <laughs> um but I, I yeah i think that could definitely be it uh knowing kanye and the how there's always duality to everything like it could be that but also the way i was thinking of it when i first heard it was he's talking about his celebrity life and how plain and ordinary everything has become like he he used to really seek out this kind of life and wanted all these things they used to be really appear appealing and exotic you know to have the cars and to have the cribs but now they're really like everyday and normal like they've lost their magic you know good that could be it oh yeah like i've seen all this stuff before so it's no longer like exciting i've seen the cars i've seen the cribs like eh yeah and so that would be mixing with like the fact that he's seen other people also go through this and like experience sadness in their life and go down these dark empty paths it's uh i don't know it's a it's an ambiguous line that works because it's ambiguous i think yep okay i see that too so he transitions from that to my god sister getting married by the lake and the his delivery here is a little different right yeah I, well well, I guess what's interesting is all the music really, like the piano and the drums disappear and all there is is like this ghostly energy which naturally give his words a different feel. Yeah, there's just like, I I mean, if, if we're talking about like escalation, you talk yeah. about certain elements in the first verse fall away. Were there any extra elements that fell away in the second verse? Um, no, but there is the... the tr- the change he makes with his vocals so like there is something yeah. different happening each time and then third verse all the music's gone which yeah. if you're talking about like this is the in narrative or in art in general you tend to have like the rule of threes mm-hmm. that usually something's more powerful if it's part of a three and you see that a lot if you watch like tv shows or movies you'll start to just realize like oh he asked a question he asked a second question there's going to be a third question and then things move on um you just see the rule of threes pop up a lot and this would be the third thing so it's sort of the the culmination so having the music drop out gives it that sense of being this uh, a far greater tragedy in a sense or a larger emptiness and in this way it's not just a difference of what kanye has and somebody else doesn't have here it's almost a little more of a betrayal because kanye Kanye says my god sister getting married by the lake but i couldn't figure out who i'd want to take bad enough that i showed up late i had to leave before they even cut the cake welcome to heartbreak so yeah all of that not only is it built up to because you have the music stripped away which gives more emphasis to it he puts the title of the song at the end of the verse yeah which also gives (laughs) extra emphasis so yeah and 
now this time, as I was just saying, it's not just like I have cars, but I don't have kids. It's I was supposed to attend this wedding and I left like I showed up late to the wedding, probably missed the ceremony. And then I bounced like, am I a good God brother? Right. At that like, point, like it's conveying that he's not doing anything to fix this emptiness in his life. And that he's actively choosing the the celebrity lifestyle over yeah. the like family elements. Because he could say, you know, I'm not doing anything. I'm actually just gonna be here for this wedding. It's my god sister's wedding. Like I'm not gonna miss it. And he doesn't. He shows up late because he's busy with other things, which we can assume are very superficial. Right. And then he yeah. leaves because he has other superficial things that he wants to go do. So this is where instead of just feeling kind of like the victim, how he had on say you will and how he had in the first two verses here, uh, he now becomes a little bit more of, I don't want to say antagonist, right. but you see some of the flaws emerge that get more complicated as the album goes on with something like paranoid right right where it's like oh yeah he's not completely innocent either right wow i mean kind of how many times has this been said on the show kind of just a fucking genius like (laughs) you're talking about the rules of three and like you're laying out how it works lyrically but how what you were talking about the music as well like builds to that and gives everything you're talking about like making him more antagonistic like gives that life because i mean it's really hard to convey monotony and emptiness through music like that's a seemingly very tough venture and much like minimalism which is what he's sampling here it can feel monotonous and repetitive like on the surface but the way connie's approaching this feeling and painting this character with this pop mindset like in the way that he's like changing the sound and the feel of each verse and and painting different pictures of himself like it gives such life and texture to this emptiness that he's feeling that a is empty because like you know having cars and shit isn't that fulfilling you realize that at some point but also like it's empty because he's doing this to himself like he's not allowing himself to connect with these people he's so caught up in the life he's living that like he's stuck in this kind of life yeah yeah, like he absolutely could have just gone to this wedding and acted normally. <laughs> yeah, he's Kanye West. He could do whatever the hell he wants. Yep, and he did not. <laughs> and that was a choice that he made. And like, even going back to like, but I couldn't figure out who I'd want to take as well. That gets to some of the loneliness, but also yeah. like you're Kanye West. <laughs> like, Yeah, take anybody the hell you want. Yeah, could you really not find someone or are things complicated, which is again, something that we'll end up seeing on yeah. paranoid. Like he is not behaving the best himself. That's an interesting way to look at the album actually, because while the album, as we said in the opening episode that we don't think the album has a three part structure or has like a, a concrete storyline, like we're used to seeing it with Kanye. There are motifs like that. And there are these like elements set up where like here, you know, he's talking about like, I didn't have anybody to take to the wedding. Like, well, why didn't you? You're Kanye West. Well, we find out later why. <laughs> this is the way he acts with women. These are the kind of women he dates. Like, he would never take these kinds of women to a, a wedding. Like, there's nothing fulfilling about these relationships. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You 
you know, one good girl is worth <laughs> a thousand bitches. There's one I've woman he say. really wanted to take to the wedding, though. Yeah. I mean, at this time, he was all about Kim. He, yeah, he had met her, right? Yeah, he had met her and was already, like, telling people, like, that's the girl <laughs> I want to marry. <laughs> so, of course. at this time, he was... Uh, and I think it was just a year later, he did the whole... Wait, he made a song where, like, his guest verse on a song was just about Kim should break up with her boyfriend and date him. <laughs> that I'm sounds pretty right. Sh- I'm pretty sure that was, like, early 2009. So you go from that welcome to heartbreak back to the chorus and my head keeps spinning again feels elevated and escalated like it's spinning even faster yeah um, it, and it's it's elevated too because the for the first two times we heard the chorus there was a piano which again like it's poppy and makes it sound fun uh but it disappears here so like it's weird hearing cuddy's vocals which you know it's kid cuddy he makes like pop music that you can dance to like it's it carries a very different feeling when it's just surrounded by like drums and droning keyboards. Hey, Kid Cudi makes depressing music. (laughs) That's his staple. Like make depressing music that you want to dance to. Yeah. Right. Like pursuit of happiness. You're like sad, but happy (laughs) or day and night. You're sad, but happy. There you go. Day and night's such a bop. Uh, and then we get Kanye's outro, which, uh, Oh, 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 oh. (laughs) And I think it's important that he's saying, and I can't stop. Like, that's what we kind of get into is like this emoting of like the oh, oh, but and I and I can't stop. No, no, I can't stop. No, 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 I can't stop. Can't stop. I can't stop. And it sounds like he's saying, I mean, we know it's tied to like, I can't stop having these visions, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also... Kanye saying he can't stop himself from living the life that he's living. 
Like he couldn't stop himself from being late to the wedding and leaving early. He couldn't stop himself from constantly picking cars over yeah. uh, like report cards or cribs over kids or being in first class. Like he's actively, I think while we talked about it as uh, a nuance of what he was saying, that he's an active problem in this and compromising himself. So he's not totally a victim, but it's like self victimization. Mm -hmm. This is where he's admitting that out loud. So even though he can't stop having these visions, he's essentially saying, I just can't stop living this life and Ooh. doing this to myself. That's some more heavy stuff, man. Like he's just, again, that is the whole energy of the song to me that the stagnancy, like he's stuck in it. And it wasn't until we started talking really that I realized like how much of that he's creating himself. Like I can't stop, like I can't stop putting myself in this position. It, it, he could work his way out of this. He could like change himself or like put in the work to like find the right woman that'll break him out of this. But like, he's not doing that. Like he's, he wants to escape this celebrity lifestyle yet feels compelled to keep living it like the way he does. Yep. Man. I got to say this part too, this, this whole outro, like this is the genius of like choosing to do auto tune, uh, which everybody complained about like idiots back then, <laughs> like, like just to think like all of the different inflections he's done just two songs into the album with auto tune. Like this is a very different energy here at the end than any other part of the song than, than the kind of, uh, desolateness of say you will like here, like, it's it's it feels out of control and Connie's very performative like he's 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 it's it reminds me of last call kind of like I, I can't think of another song early on where Connie's just uh, the inflection of his voice means so much to the emotion he's conveying where like it, it, no 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 I, can, I can't stop like he's just like he it feels like he's professing something and it, like coffee house poetry or something you know like performance is such a part of it and the autotune really brings out the emotion of it all um, it, it's just so incredible that he's doing this kind of song and bringing out this kind of emotion from autotune which is a, a thing at this point that had been made popular on the radio and like been used in pop music like here it's actually being used to convey sadness like which seems the most natural for autotune yeah right <laughs> like it's very much what i associate autotune with not just like i'm living a grok star life like t-pain oh. yeah yeah which like t-pain made it fun but poor t-pain gets clowned on all the time he does yeah uh, did you see the his quote from the other day uh the one about, about usher. other oh yeah 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 uh, yeah. where Usher made him like depressed for four years because he said he ruined music for auto-tune which is just like I don't know like Kanye like the fact that this song exists means like auto-tune did good in this world yeah absolutely and <laughs> if anything I feel like auto-tune is worse now than it was then sure yeah but this is a great use of auto-tune it's amazing it, it's it's incredible to to breathe out this kind of emotion from something so simple it's crazy i think t-pain's use of autotune was still like more fun than like some of the <laughs> like modern day like trap rappers that i hear oh, yeah. using autotune a lot i'm just like uh 
I think T-Pain, I, I mean, I love all those songs in high school. Maybe I just can't shake myself from that, but I think he made a lot of great songs. Yeah. So now this is a T-Pain appreciation podcast. <laughs> Once an episode, we have an aside where we just congratulate T-Pain on creating Autotune. Yeah. Well, so this outro reminds me a little bit of um, on site in a way where just at the end, he starts repeating like on site over and over again. Oh, yeah. And you realize that he's essentially just saying like, I need everything right now. Like right now, I need right now. Yeah, that's what he starts repeating right now, not mm-hmm. on site. But <laughs> it's this idea of him characterizing the attitude of the protagonist and on Jesus it's right now I need right now it's this indulgence in the moment it's this desire to have everything in the moment without really stopping to step back to what is actually how you're spending your time and what you're doing and how unsatisfying and destructive that can be you're just kind of caught up in the materialism and consumerism and lifestyle of it all and Jesus as an album works to break the character out of that mindset and have them start to look towards the future to start to actually value themselves and their relationships right. which is why you end with bound two and here you have say you will kind of introduce a lot of the tone um, of the album but this outro here it's kind of the same thing as going like right now I need right now right now then having the attack of the synths it's I can't stop I can't stop I can't stop I can't stop and you should have that in mind while you listen to the rest of the album as Kanye is so pained by his lifestyle he also feels like he can't stop the lifestyle yeah that's a great point like thinking about Jesus and how that uh, manicness he's creating at the beginning of Jesus with on site, like that's eventually resolved. It's never really resolved on 808. It's like Kanye's always stuck in what he's stuck in, and it takes him several out of albums to break out of it. So there's no real like catharsis on 808. It's like there's no resolution to this feeling here in the outro. It's just always chaotic. Yeah, in terms of like escalation, usually. In narratives, you have contrast, right? So mm-hmm. if you start with a character in a negative spot, they usually end in a positive spot. Or if they start in a positive spot, they end in a negative spot. So something like Primal Fear, you have Richard Gere starting in a place that's very, like, I'm king of the world. I'm like the hotshot mm-hmm. attorney that everybody like loves to hate. And I love it because I'm wealthy and good looking and successful. And at the end of the movie, he's just like, broken as a person mm-hmm. <laughs> uh you don't quite have that kind of contrast here but you have escalation while Kanye's starting in a bad place emotionally uh and spiritually he ends up in a worse place so yeah. it's like you're just seeing this decline uh to I guess just tragedy. Tragedy is probably not the right word, but everything that he's feeling only gets stronger by the end, leading like when we get Coldest Winter and Pinocchio story. Yeah. And then all you could do after that is like think forward as his discography and how suicide becomes such a prevalent part. Like 
from my beautiful Dark Twist fantasy through Jesus, like he talks about it several times and and just feeling like you can't get back control of your life and all you can do is like end it or like or at least you don't do anything to to better it. You just feel like you just almost deserve to be stuck in this life. Yeah. And I mean, one of the songs that a lot of Kanye fans are talking about recently because of the iceberg video was never see me again Mm. which was gonna be on my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and it's a really long track really long it's like five verses six verses and kanye's just kind of declaring that you're never gonna see him again and you can tell it's a big reaction to everything with taylor swift and the fallout from that but there's the there's a lot of arrogance still on the song and it feels like Kanye is just kind of punishing people in terms of, well, you're never going to see me make music and you're never going to, right. like, I won't grace you with my presence anymore. I'm gone. But you can't help but think about the specter of suicide and the implications of that, on that song, especially coupled then with uh, the intro to the Yeezus tour, right? Which was that, like, dial tone and Kanye's mm. not here right now and... Oof. Oof. yeah even thinking gosh going beyond all that and thinking about the taylor swift moment and like the kind of place connie was in like like how mad can you get it connie about the taylor swift thing like if you hear this outro of welcome to heartbreak <laughs> and you hear him expressing like i can't stop like being this guy like the kind of life he's lived like the pain he's gone through where he feels stuck like he keeps doing it to himself. He's just in this really bad place. And like, it's good to just be empathetic and understand him. Like you hold him accountable for things, but like be empathetic and you can't help but think of that Taylor Swift movement. And think like, God, he must've been going through a lot of pain in that moment. Like there were so many things going on in his life that led him to doing something like this. Well, I do want to say that 2007, <laughs> for the touch the sky video at the European uh, video music awards, Kanye got on stage because he lost to a video by justice. Yeah. And he interrupted their speech and said, I spent a million dollars on this video. I deserve to win. And everybody at the European VMAs (laughs) gave him a round of applause and cheered him on. And it was seen as like a very like funny thing. Like it, nobody took it that seriously. Nobody like belittled Kanye. Did it ruin his reputation? Like people afterwards yeah. were still like laughing about it. So that's also the but kind it was of thing Taylor. where it's like, yeah, like he does it in he does it in Europe and it's fine. He also won an award and gave it away. He's like, I don't deserve to win this. It should have gone to I forget who it was. I don't know if it was Lil Wayne or someone like that, but he tried to give away an award that he won Mm -hmm. uh, because he didn't feel like he should have won. So you had those things in back-to-back years leading up to the Taylor Swift interruption. It's just like, yeah, I don't think he thought that that was going to be a big deal. I thought he got praised. He got praised for it the first time he did it. And I think he thought like, oh, people might be mad at it, but I'm Kanye, you know? And then everybody (laughs) fucking hated him. And getting back to what you're saying, like there's so much emotion just in him already to then have the backlash that he received yeah. in the wake of that. Like, who? It's kind of incredible he came out of it a better artist and like ready to 
fixes life. Like a lot of people probably don't come back from something like that. No, they're still just like down and out, right? Like Connie could still be in this like, no, I can't stop mode or like, or done something that hurt himself. Like that kind of shit happens all the time. Yep. Instead, he went on to make one of the greatest <laughs> albums of the 21st century. Ooh, three of the greatest albums of the 21st century. Yeah, back to back to back, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, crazy. And then, and then three more after that. Yeah, that's our guy. <laughs> that's our guy. Well, then, anything else for uh, Welcome to Heartbreak? Uh, no, I would say we did the song much more justice than the first time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. That's right. So appreciate it. Appreciate us. Appreciate Kanye. Appreciate music. <laughs> appreciate life. Appreciate you know? us. <laughs> I like that. You know, just sneaking it in there. <laughs> sneaking it in there. But we'll be back uh, very soon with the Heartless episode. Yeah, it could uh, be tomorrow. Yeah, our odds are if you're listening to this, that Heartless is probably out or about to come out yeah we're just going ape shit on these songs yeah so look forward to that and i uh i'll be interested so your estimation of welcome to heartbreak has risen via this uh episode right oh yeah and i'm starting to think it's gonna happen with every single song including heartless (laughs) which is always a song that i've always been lukewarm on all right let's go yeah well then. Um, but until we get there, I need you to do one thing for me, Chris, and the listeners as well. It's I just need you to stay wavy. I'll do you one better, Travis. Not only will I stay wavy, I will keep it loopy. Uh, loop it up. <laughs> Ugh, what a gross phrase. And I am. And they ask me, they ask me, they ask me, I tell them. Raise your glasses, your glasses, your glasses to the sky. This is the last call for alcohol for the. So get your ass up off the wall. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.